It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Power to the Pod here on Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. Managing Editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com, Director of Scouting at DraftNetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and we're, we're beyond the Senior Bowl, right? The Senior Bowl took place last Saturday. Brian Flores' team claiming a dub, uh, big dubs for, for Brian Flores after an ugly start to 2020 for Brian Flores' coach football teams. Uh, I'm sitting here in the snow right now, uh, so I am very, very happy to just kind of curl up next to a window, look out, Think about not being out in the snow and just be washed over with warm, scalding, hot takes and questions pertaining to the Miami Dolphins, which all of you have provided that we're going to tackle today on the show. Uh, Before we get there, before we get to turn the keys over to you, this is your show as promised, Power to the Pod. We should talk just just for a second about... Tua Tagovailoa and the media tour that took place yesterday, and he was on the Dan Patrick Show, and then on with Adam Shine on uh, Sirius XM 82, and uh, in both places kind of talked about his rookie season, his experience, how he thought he played, the Deshaun Watson rumors. Uh, so just wanted to commend Tua for the perspective that he's bringing into all of this. Um obviously saying, you know, it's not really in my control what the Dolphins choose to do. I was surprised he can't, He went out and said as, as candid as, I'm not really sure if I'm going to be here in the fall. Um, that surprised me to hear him say that, but hearing him say, I'm only focused on the things that I can control and the things that I can work on and improve and become a better player and better quarterback is what I'm focused on. I'm not worried on any of the outside rumors or noise or uh, the rumor mill, which is the proper attitude to have. Uh, I have seen some Dolphins fans uh, on social media after the the Dan Patrick spot in particular uh, kind of say they, they kind of felt as though you, know, you could see that this was weighing on Tua a little bit. And well, I hope that's certainly not the case. And I hope Tua does have the the mentality he says he does to, to stay focused on what he can control and not worry about the future. Um, this was always going to be the case. And Tua's been forged by fire with his time at Alabama, right? Like, he was under the microscope. He had this super high-profile quarterback competition. And what I would ask of Dolphins fans to remember here is this isn't personal, right? This is this is simply speaking, if the Dolphins decide to make any changes, it's because they feel as though that quarterback option gives them a better chance to win a championship. That's all it is. And I know we heard a lot for a very long time about how Tua Tungvaloa is the answer to all that ails the Miami Dolphins. And he is the quarterback who has the ability to bring them to the promised land after all these years of mediocrity. And in time, he can be. 
but if the Dolphins decide to alter course, that's because they have the flexibility to do so, and that's what this rebuild was always all about. Um, I enjoyed hearing Tua Tagovailoa say that he has very high standards for himself, and he thought his rookie season was below average. Because you saw bright flashes, but and, and I think he's being a little too hard on himself, to be honest with you. I think he had an average rookie season in stretches above average, but the the lows were very low. Uh, the Denver game, the Raiders game, and it's to be expected. And, and he was very candid in both of his stops in the media tour yesterday to talk about you know seeing what each of the defensive coordinators. Uh, how they run their defenses and, and kind of compartmentalizing that information instead of just swimming in all of the information that I'm sucking in throughout the course of a season. It's the right process. It's the right mentality. So if you are of the school of thought that the Dolphins should absolutely not change course and the Tua Tungvalu absolutely positively no questions asked has to be the starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins for you to be pleased with the direction of the team then you have to feel encouraged by that I personally I sit in the middle I'm going to find the positive with whatever direction they choose to go but you start to read how Tua is handling this situation and you have to feel positive about the perspective that he brings and not afraid to be candid about it and as long as we understand that you know, all these rumors, and first of all, the Dolphins have not entertained these rumors at all. That, again, needs to be reiterated because there's some, some people on my timeline that I see that are diehard Dolphins fans that are pissed off at Chris Greer and Brian Flores uh, for, uh, quote-unquote, allowing the charade to continue or whatever. They're not doing anything. They haven't said anything about it. They said in the media press conference to close the season to a tongue of a starter. You can't talk about players on other teams. You can't control what people on the outside are going to talk about. So you can get frustrated with the situation, but don't get mad at Brian Flores. Don't get mad at Chris Greer. It's a difficult situation to be in. It's a totally unprecedented situation. Whatever decision the Dolphins choose to make, we're going to find the positives with it here on the show. Uh, But we are going to transition away, unless you guys bring us back, to power to the pod. Uh, got some iTunes reviews questions that I definitely wanted to pull in, including this one from Pat Bev 2020. Five star. Listen every morning. Every morning, he says. Thank you for listening. Your question is assuming the OC is an in-house hire, Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith, who do you think would be more productive in the Dolphins system? Uh, I think it's less about the system and more about the passer. Uh, if Tua Tonga Valoa is your quarterback, I think Devontae Smith makes much more sense for his style of play than what Jamar Chase has because we've, we've seen, you know, that they really struggled to vibe him and Devontae Parker, right? Well, Jamar Chase is a souped-up version of that same player. And there's quarterbacks with, with eyes for the game that would be able to win with that player immediately and have a high impact. Uh, but then there's also quarterbacks who have a different eye for the game, who like to have a little bit more separation before they throw the football and have trust in their receivers. And, and I think Devontae Smith is ahead of Jamar Chase in both of those dynamics for what the Dolphins have with Tua Tungvalu as the quarterback. Bruns Finn Fan, five-star, power of the pod. Loving your Dolphins and draft content. Keep up the good work. Thank you. 
Oh, my guy gave me a full-on mock draft. Let's go. I'm hoping Miami trades back from three and has the following draft. Jalen Waddell, wide receiver, Alabama. Yes, I'm in. Najee Harris with their second first-round pick. Yes, I'm in. Wyatt Davis, starting offensive guard from Ohio State, is what he's projecting it as. Cameron McGrone, starting linebacker from Michigan. Elijah Molden, nickel corner. Uh, defensive tackle Darius Stills from West Virginia. Kerry Venson, uh, defensive back from LSU. And linebacker Justin Hilliard from Ohio State. Stills is maybe the only player that I'm not like super sold on being a, val- a, a scheme fit for the Dolphins, so I think you have the right kinds of players here. My question for you, Bruns, what are we getting back in the trade bag? Because we only got two twos. You picked up an extra three. What else? You got to give me something else other than just an extra three in a trade bag. We getting a one next year? So you, you, you got to tell me. Otherwise, I, I can't be too excited about the trade bag. But Jalen Waddle. Yes, for my money, Jalen Waddell is the most prolific wide receiver prospect in this year's draft. Uh, he's not as diverse as far as his route tree as Devontae Smith, uh, but he is game-breaking speed. This is this is Tyreek Hill type of football player here. Uh, Najee Harris, we've talked about a lot. Wyatt Davis from Ohio State plays right guard for Ohio State. He didn't have a great year this year. If we're being completely honest, I thought he had a down year versus what 2019 looked like. Uh, but they run a lot of inside zone, and they do run some gap power concepts in which you're you're pulling and leading in the hole. And uh, I think the Dolphins would benefit if they stay in-house especially. You're going to run a ton of duo and inside zone. And they ran a lot of that at Ohio State out of the shotgun. What the hell's this? Keysman. Great content. Love this podcast. Two-star review. You can't leave that title with that stars. Come on, Keesman, you're killing me. Concerned with Smith's durability at 175 pounds, should we draft Chase instead? I'll answer this question despite the fact that you gave me two stars because it must have been a slip of the thumbs. I don't think Devontae Smith is going to weigh in at 175 pounds. Now, he might have his pro day, but if he does, I bet he doesn't run. I bet he's even further down than that uh, to a significant degree. So, does it matter? Do you draft good football players? I think it's always difficult in the first few picks of the draft. You expect a prototype. So, that's why I'm such a champion of the trade-down option. And if he's there when you trade down, whether it's Carolina or Denver or San Francisco or whoever else, which we covered a good bit yesterday... That's the pathway for me. And if Devontae Smith is there at that point, then I'm ready to pull the trigger. But drafting any of the wide receivers at three, just I, I get little Joe Philbin syndrome, I get a little queasy. The NFL playoffs are here, and while the Dolphins are not qualified, it does not mean you cannot still be a winner this winter. There's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust for all of your online sports bets, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, 
Look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Forging onward here. Uh, Ish, as always, great great job of the show. Killing it. What areas do you think Coach Flo needs to improve upon? I'd like a little bit more clarity as far as um, how aggressive they're going to be. There were some stretches of this season in which they played overly conservative, I thought, you know, down in the red zone a couple of times and, and kicked short field goals on fourth and shorts. I thought he dialed it back up in the back half of the season, but they were like super aggressive in 2019. And then I thought the first half of 2020 uh, with Fitz as the starter, and then even in stretches with Tua in the back half of the season, it was like, just go, it's fourth and three. And I understand from a personnel perspective, uh, you didn't have great success running the football, then, then call an RPO and don't, don't run the ball. Um, and I know that that's an overly simplified response, uh, but settling for three points in some of the instances that the Dolphins were willing to settle for three points, like it might have cost you the Seattle game. Because that script flipped on its head at 17-15. And if you'd have gone for it, and if you'd have even have gotten one, you'd have more points. And if you missed on the other ones, you'd have had more points in your hand if you got one of them. So, And then you were still going to force Seattle to f- drive the full length of the field and challenge them that way. So, man, it's tough. I, I like so much of what he's doing. I think he has the right mentality. I think he has the right culture. I think he's working with the right people. I like that he's trying to to keep as much continuity now as possible, but I also like that he's not afraid to cling to mistakes. There's some speculation about why we haven't hired a freaking offensive coordinator. It's been almost a month. Uh, I know that's a question that's in the Twitter questions, is when should I be worried that the Dolphins don't have an offensive coordinator? Uh, On September 1st. If the Dolphins don't have an offensive coordinator on September 1st, we can be worried. This is a long offseason. It's a long process. Dolphins can't do anything right now anyway. It's inconsequential as far as I'm concerned. So if they got their eyes on, whether it's Harold Goodwin, uh, run game coordinator and assistant head coach in Tampa Bay, uh, if that's the direction you want to go, if you want to go with Mike Kafka in Kansas City, whatever, whatever. Just get it right and make sure it is somebody who's going to be here for a few years so that you can have some continuity. And maybe that's the driving force behind taking their time is finding the right candidate to stay here for a while. Uh, Ben McDaniel. Kyle, after watching the best teams in the AFC duke it out this postseason, are there any positions that you believe we need to focus on when looking at specific weapons of other contenders? For example, Kelsey picked apart the zone defense of the Bills. Roe got worked by him as well. Should the Dolphins be building a roster to specifically game plan against weapons like this, we will have to face if we want to get to a Super Bowl. This is very much a point of view and thought process that NFL teams subscribe to. 
And it is, you know, uh, I've mentioned it on the show, winning your division and, and building a team to win your division. Miami should have the Buffalo Bills in the crosshairs. Miami should be aware of what's happening in Kansas City. Because if they're as close as we feel they are, you would hate to have the stars align and get everything right and you win 11 games because apparently 10 games isn't freaking good enough. And you make the playoffs and you're in a position and you're just completely ill-equipped to handle whatever's happening on the other side against the elites. Uh, so yes, and, and I think about the Baltimore Ravens uh, when they had their st- stretch run and they, they're in the midst of another stretch run now where they're just consistently good, right? And that team, them and the Pittsburgh Steelers in the AFC North, they were designed to beat each other and to beat the New England Patriots. They didn't always do it, but that's what that's how those teams were constructed. Which is interesting because there's this great deviation away from how the Patriots played. You compare in the Tom Brady dynasty, you compare and contrast that to what the Kansas City Chiefs are and the Buffalo Bills are. And it's a very different model. So there's there's going to be new archetypes that are pursued and and new standards that have to be put in place for any AFC contender that's going to have to check boxes. And we're probably still in the process of filtering out what all of those kinds of players look like. But yes, you should be paying attention to the top teams in the conference and asking yourself, does is uh, this player that we're talking about bringing onto the roster, how are they going to help us beat X or Y? Zemlicka. Maybe I do too many TDN mock drafts. Not possible. You're correct. It's not possible. But do you think it's possible Miami is able to trade back twice early on, specifically with Atlanta and then again with, you mentioned Detroit, but of course, Taylor, you you mentioned this before the Stafford deal went through. So we could say Carolina, hypothetically at eight. So trade back from three to four and then from four to eight. I won't say it's impossible, but I'm trying to think of an example of this actually happening. This typically doesn't happen because if you're going to be, if you're Chris Greer, right, and you're on the clock, you got your 15 minutes, you're going to have um, multiple teams jockeying and calling you simultaneously. So I could have Atlanta and, and Carolina both calling me at the same time. And they're both probably leveraging for that spot for quarterback. What you would have to hope for is that they're going after different quarterbacks. You know, if Atlanta wants Justin Fields, but Carolina wants Trey Lance, and they both want to trade up to three to guarantee they lock him in, um, that's going to be a hard, you know, that's the only way in which this would work. Uh, in my opinion, it's not to say it's impossible, but any team that's going to be calling you at four was already calling you at three and you're going to have passed on their offer. And, um, it's kind of tough in that kind of condensed top eight. The trade opportunities are going to be limited. 
Now, I do think Carolina is going to be super aggressive, and I think the Dolphins can play that to their advantage in a big, big, big way this offseason. If they are not the team that ends up landing Deshaun Watson and Miami ends up still picking in the three-hole, uh, but we'll see what that looks like. Last question from iTunes Reviews for today. I got a couple more lined up for the next time that we come out. Modern Trout uh, on the heels of the Senior Bowl is a good question. If we're unable to draft Najee Harris or decide to move back, what other options would you take at running back? What about Trey Sermon from Ohio State, previously of Oklahoma? Already mentioned for Wyatt Davis. Uh, his offense at Ohio State and Sermon really hit his stride in the last month or two months playing there uh, between the college football playoff games and the end of the regular season for the Big Ten. The inside zone stuff, I mean, these offensive linemen were moving people up front against both Clemson and Northwestern. Um but yes, Trey Sermon with his build and running in a lot of inside zone and, and split zone, that's the kind of back that the Dolphins are probably going to be looking for if they keep their higher in-house and keep the same offensive system. Sermon in late three, early four, I can get excited about. Uh, the other half of your question is, a few weeks back you talked about liking Pete Werner at linebacker. Did he just fall off in the Senior Bowl, or do you just like Baron Browning that much more? Uh, so Pete Werner was not at the Senior Bowl. Uh, so th- that's interesting because Ohio State had three. They had Justin Hilliard, they had Tuff Borland, and they had uh, Baron Browning. Uh, Baron Browning was the best of the bunch because you knew he was a first-off-the-bus type guy at a linebacker position. He's super athletic. He'd rush the passer, he played in coverage, and he did it all. And Baron Browning's biggest questions for me are kind of consistency with making your reads and, and deciding what the play is in real time in a very short amount of time and, and playing instinctively. Uh, when you're put into the all-star event at the Senior Bowl and you're doing one-on-one drills as a pass rusher, one-on-one drills as a coverage defender, you no longer have to worry about reading your keys. You know what you're doing. I know I'm covering this guy one-on-one. I know I'm rushing the passer. So I thought it really allowed Baron Browning's physical tools to shine and kind of take over throughout the course of that week. But that's a great question. Uh, Pete Warner, not at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Interested to see what his athletic profile looks like from a testing perspective. I want to get on board, but if he comes out and he's super stiff and he doesn't run very well, uh, then we're going to have to ask ourselves some questions, and I'm going to have to go back to the tape and rewatch and see where the disconnect was versus where I think he is as a player versus what he shows he is as an athlete. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the last 20 years. So for your classic or daily driver, whether you're looking for engine control modules, new brake parts, taillights, or motor oil, Everything you need is in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything you need from rockauto.com delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, prices are the same at rockauto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why would you go anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. No two people are alike, and no two tax returns are alike either. Thankfully, TurboTax Live has experienced tax experts who are ready to listen to you, learn about your unique tax situation, and help you get the best tax outcome. Maybe you got married this year and have some questions about how that affects your filing status. Maybe you want an expert to review your return so you don't miss any reductions on the new house that you just bought this year. 
Or maybe you want to hand the whole thing off from start to finish so you can focus on your baby photographer career. Whether you want to file with the help of an expert or let an expert file for you, TurboTax Live Experts give you the confidence to know your uniquely you taxes are done right. Intuit TurboTax Live. Home stretch here for questions, Twitter questions. We get a bunch of them, and there's some really good ones this week. Uh, I was really, really surprised to, to scroll through, and of course, we got a lot of the, the same hot-button topics that you guys want to talk about, but also some off-the-reservation questions, which I think can prompt some really good talking points. So uh, the first one comes from Derek. Is there a free agent who you think Miami may target that no one expects or a position we don't expect, for example, a safety? Yes, I'm glad you mentioned a safety. Uh, because on the heels of this move that the Rams made to bring in Matt Stafford, their salary cap situation is going to make it incredibly difficult for them to bring back safety John Johnson onto the roster. Johnson is a free agent. He is a very, very good safety. And if the Dolphins, which has been reported by, I believe it was the Miami Herald, are going to look at their safety room and ask themselves, do we want to make a change? Are we up against a glass ceiling here? John Johnson would be an upgrade over Bobby McCain, if we're being completely honest. That's not to say Bobby didn't play well this year. I was really impressed with how Bobby played after the first few games. But Bobby's also one of the older players on the team. He's one of the bigger cap hits on the team. And um, I, I think John Johnson's a better football player. So if you're going to pay that kind of money, you have to ask yourself, are, are we interested in going on getting a John Johnson? I think he'd be a great fit for this defense. That would be a name to watch if the Dolphins ultimately choose to be a mover and shaker as far as from a salary cap perspective, dropping off somebody from the starting safety room. Alejo, what would a swap between Atlanta if they wanted a quarterback and Miami look like in the NFL draft? I think the best example and case study for this that we can point to is the Chicago Bears-San Francisco 49ers trade uh, from just a few years back, the Mitchell Trubisky trade. So San Francisco traded uh, the number two pick to Chicago for the number three pick. And what they got in return to drop back one spot and, and just exchange was two threes and a four. Uh, the three and the four came in the same year, and then a future three as well. So San Francisco traded two to Chicago for three, 67, 111, and 70. I could get on board with that, to be honest with you. Because you know Atlanta, if they do want a quarterback, they're not going to step on your toes at all. It does open the door, as Taylor mentioned earlier in the show, uh, for a potential double trade back, those conversations to take place. I would be a million percent on board for doing something like this if Atlanta said, hey, you know what? We want to go up and get our quarterback. We don't want to wait. We don't want to take the risk that somebody else is going to jump in front of us three. Uh, Bob, do you think Raekwon can be a true nose, or do you think we have to find one in free agency in the draft? I think Raekwon is a true nose. Uh, he added a lot of weight, uh, up to 330 pounds is what he was listed at. I thought he played really well in the back half of the season. I thought the light bulb came on for him. Uh the Dolphins are going to run a lot of bare and tight fronts that, that allow him to play one-on-one -on -one with centers, and he's going to beat the tar out of just about every center in the NFL in a one-on-one -on -one situation as far as holding the line of scrimmage. 
So I do think Raquan Davis, I think that box is checked. What are your thoughts on Harold Goodwin of Tampa Bay potentially being the next OC for Miami? Do you think he would leave his position with Tampa Bay? I know this. I know Coach Goodwin has been with Bruce Arians for a very long time. Uh, he was the OC in Arizona uh, when Arians was there from 13 to 17. He was with the Colts with Arians prior to that. And now he's been in two years with uh, Arians in Tampa Bay. But Goodwin's been around very good NFL football from an offensive perspective. And I think it's interesting, the interesting proposition here is you hear, you hear Trent Dilfer talk about um, Tua Valoa being the best four verticals passer he's ever seen at the college level, and the Dolphins never ran four verticals. They never ran verticals concepts. Bruce Arians is very much a push-the-ball-down-the-field type of mentality, and if Coach Goodwin were to come and bring that, perhaps that could be a pathway to better accentuating some of Tua Tagovailoa's strengths as a passer based off of what you saw in 2018 when he was playing under coach Mike Loxley as compared to when he was playing in 2019 under Steve Sarkeesian. I think there's a pathway there if the Dolphins wanted to explore it where Goodwin uh, would be a really interesting, interesting hire. And he's a good football coach. And um, he, he may not be the guy who's responsible for calling plays in, in the sample size that I'm going to provide you. But between his last three or four seasons in Arizona and his last two seasons in Tampa Bay, he's been around four top six scoring offenses in the NFL. So offense works because they push the ball down the field. They like to air the ball out. If everybody wants to say, let Tua cook, this is the kind of offense you could bring in and ask him to do that. FC, most beneficial outcome of this long OC search, getting the, the coach that's going to be here for more than one year. I think if you get some continuity, um, it's a net win because the Dolphins had their crack at some of these other guys and they elected them to not offer them the job. So they must not have felt like either they were going to be here for a while or that they were the right fit for the Dolphins. So it's not like there were a bunch of all-star, rock star offensive coordinator candidates that got gobbled up. You know, so let's let's take our time. We'll be thorough. We'll get it right. Mark, if you could take the certain attributes of height, speed, hands, route running, attitude from every wide receiver to play for the Dolphins to build one super receiver, what would you use from who? Okay, so I'm going to use Preston Williams' height. I'm going to use Devontae Parker's ball skills. I'm going to use Jakeem Grant's speed. I am going to use Limboden Jr.'s attitude as a player. As a player. I'm going to use Mac Hollins' grit. And I guess I'll use Albert Wilson's route running. Justin, maybe I'm overthinking this, but if the Stafford trade is any indicator of what Watson is worth, I don't think there's a chance of us landing him. I go back to when Chris Grew said it's better to have two good players at the price of one great player. Your thoughts? Uh, I think there's a lot of complexities uh, for that trade uh, that make it kind of a difficult trade to put a barometer on. I don't think it has a lot of impact on what Houston's quarterback's trade value would be either way. Uh, and the reason being, the Rams 
through Jared Goff and an extra first-round pick on top of what their offer was. Carolina was ready to give. This was in Albert Breer's column. Carolina was in the process of receiving Matt Stafford's medical so they could process the trade to give them number eight overall and a day three pick. Like It was that close to being done. The Rams found out, and they decided to throw Jared Goff into the deal and an extra future first-round pick. So I think the 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 reason why the second first-round pick was added was because the Rams are saying, here, take this bad contract of Jared Goff off our books. Let that not be our problem anymore, and we'll pay you in a first-round pick for it. You just got to wait two years to cash it in. But for my money, you know, if because I don't think Jared Goff would be my long-term quarterback of choice, so I wouldn't be interested in Jared Goff, so... The Rams offer was a three this year and a one next year. I would rather have eight and a day three pick. And Washington was willing to offer 19 and their third round pick. So I think a one and a three was really the value of Matt Stafford. And the reason why you stacked on these extra, this extra assets is because Jared Koff financially was such an anchor and albatross for the Rams that they had to pay a premium. And they did it with a first round pick two years down the road to get that off their books. So it's tough to compare that trade market to anything else because of the cap dynamics for the Rams. Change my mind. Kadarius Toney is a better value as a late first, early second round pick than Devontae Smith is at three. I'm going to side with any player that's an appropriate value as a late one, early two over any of these wide receivers at three. I'm just going to do it because you get really good wide receivers on day two seemingly every year now. So I can get behind this. I don't love it, and the opportunity cost is what you have to ask yourself. Okay, if we choose to draft Kadarius Tony at 36, who are we going to get at three? Do we trade back from three? What does that look like? Today's episode is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring, launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launched on January 18th, and you can view it exclusively at BlueNile.com. Last question from TJ. Talking about Xavier Howard the struggles of what the Dolphins will face from the contract dispute that we're anticipating is, is coming down the alley uh, for Xavier Howard, who's already acquired a new agent in anticipation of uh, looking to get paid. And he wants to be top paid corner of his own, own team. And I think Xavier has the right to want market value uh, especially when you consider his injury history and you know he's going to want to cash in on this and get as much guaranteed money as he can uh, because shelf life for corners is not long. You see corners hit 30 years old and they, they drop off the cliff fairly quickly on a lot of occasions. Not all occasions, but a lot of occasions. So TJ asks, would you rather pay Xavier Howard a new contract? Trade Xavier Howard in a package deal for Deshaun Watson or trade Xavier Howard separately for additional picks. Also, how much cap does trading Xavier Howard clear off the books for the Miami Dolphins? 
Lots to get into here. This is a great question, which is why I wanted to end the show with this one. So Xavier Howard obviously signed what was at the time a market-setting deal for cornerbacks, five years, seventy-five and a quarter million dollars in 2019 in the summertime. The Dolphins, because of the way that they structured this deal, they can trade Xavier Howard pre-June 1st and save $9.3 million against the salary cap. And their dead cap space would only be $4.2 million. This is after two seasons of playing on this market-setting contract. This was a masterfully done deal for the Dolphins as far as from a cap distribution perspective. Lots of roster bonuses, lots of workout bonuses, the kinds of bonuses that you can stash and call it guaranteed money. But if a team trades and acquires that player, they're on the hook for that guaranteed money, so it's not dead cap against you. And they front-loaded a lot of the roster bonus, a $7 million roster bonus in year one of this deal when the Dolphins were spending like 30 cents on the dollar for their salary cap. So you can trade him pre-June 1st. If you can't come to a contract agreement, if you're anxious about his knees, you want to cash out early, you feel like you drafted Noah Igbenogany, and with development, he's going to get to the point where he's a starting caliber outside corner, and they were pretty adamant during the season that he was an outside corner. Save 9.3 and have 4.2 down against the cap. If you trade him after June 1st, his dead cap hit for 2021 is $1.4 million instead of $4.2 million. His dead cap hit for 2022 is $2.8 million, and you save $12.1 million against salary cap in 2021. So depending on when they trade him, it's either $9.3 or $12.1 million that you can save against the cap. I would prefer to pay him, but the structure of the contract is going to have to come out in a way, shape, and form that does not put the Dolphins into a negative salary cap position if Xavier Howard wants a monster signing bonus what you run the risk of if you sign him to an extension you restructure his deal and give him the big guaranteed signing bonus you have to prorate that number out throughout the life of the contract so if you pay him a big money signing bonus now you could be looking at significant amounts of dead cap space like right now the prorated signing bonus that the Dolphins have 2021, $1.4 million. 2022, $1.4 million. 2023, $1.4 million. None of it in 2024 in the last year of the deal. If he gets another $25 million, you got to prorate that over one, two, three, four years. You're talking over $6 million in signing bonus prorated out per season. I'm not interested in paying that. So the question is, how do, and with the reduced cap this year, you're not going to be able to stuff it into a roster bonus the way you did it before. So can you get into this guaranteeing a year in advance salary, and then you have until like the third day in the league calendar to make a decision for the following year's salary to become fully guaranteed? If he's on board with that, then we can talk. But if he's not on board with that, I have a really hard time amid trying to build out a team and a complementary set of skill players and a well-rounded team, I have a hard time with some of the, the, the roster demands of what he may want because right now, 
Xavier Howard's due to get $12.1 million this year. He's going to want $20 million, so you're talking another $8 million. Can you meet in the middle? If you can't meet in the middle, then you're going to have to lose a significant addition as a skill player. You're talking $8 million signing. You will have one less $8 million signing uh, if Xavier Howard's going to play hardball and the Dolphins meet his demands. For a player who is 28 years old, the magic number at corner for a lot of players is 30, and he has knee issues. I'm not advocating to trade him. I'm just saying if that's the decision they go to, they choose to go, these are some of the reasons why, because they're looking at where he's at in his career, where the Dolphins are at, what the long-term outlook looks like, what other places they could spend $9.3 or $12.1 million. You can get an Allen Robinson then. You can get a Will Fuller then. Not an easy decision to make. I don't envy them for this decision. But it is one they will have to make in the coming months. The easy decision for you is to hit subscribe on this podcast. Go ahead, just click the button. Don't be shy. Monday through Friday, your team every day. We don't just say it, we live it on the Locked On Network. Thanks as always for listening to Locked On Dolphins. I hope you keep it locked in for the rest of the week. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode of Locked On Dolphins. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.